Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dory Shafrier. And, you know, we're not experts. No, we're not. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And let's get down to business real quick because we got to set you up with all the info at the top here. Our website's forever35podcast.com. Anything you, we, you hear us mention, it's going to be there. Follow us on Twitter at Forever 35 Pod, Instagram at Forever 35 Podcast. There is a Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums. And look, hey, if you're on TikTok, Dory and I have both joined. Well, I've, we've both been on TikTok. We've both been there for a few years. Yeah. But now I've made two videos. So if you want to follow at Kate Spencer Writes to watch a woman plod, through a young person's social media platform, by all means, like, give me a follow. What? I'm like, what even? Oh, I'm Dory Shafrier on TikTok. <laughs> but I have not made any videos and I 
don't know that I will. You don't have to. I was finally inspired, but who knows if anyone cares or will watch. Now Dory is fully on TikTok right now. Anyway, what else do we have to tell the peeps out there, Dory? We've got a newsletter, forever35podcast.com slash newsletters, where you can sign up. Yep. 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 Indeed. And if you want to reach us, we have a voicemail number and a, and you can also text us there at 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Well, I'm here with like the most vapid. I don't know if vapid's the worst. Materialistic. What's the word I'm looking for? Indulgent? Indulgent? But Indulgent. Like- I have an indulgent check-in with you today. Okay. Let's talk about it. I got two facials within a span of less than a week. You know, I'm actually glad you brought this up because I was curious. (laughs) Were you like, why is this happening? And what is she doing? I was like, didn't she just get a facial like four days ago? (laughs) Like, can that be... Like, is that, that be good? Like, can is that a bad? Is there idea? anything to do when you've like had a facial so recently? Like, I feel like for me, one of the things I love about a facial is extractions. But if I just had a facial like four days earlier, what would there be to extract? So I'm, I'm curious. Okay, so let me what clarify. went on let and how clarify. this happened? Why did I do this? Yeah, yeah. What's Kate thinking? Is the real question. So they were two different kinds of facials. One was a lymphatic um, drainage facial with gua sha. And the other was kind of your standard get it all out. Okay. Did so the some, first one did not have extractions. No. Did some micro, does it microderm abrasion in the facial, I think? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did some oxygen. Did some masking, some extractions. It was very nice. A microcurrent. Here's why Ooh. this happened, Dory. It's because I made these appointments in like May. You know, when I was feeling alive, I was like, the CDC says, take your masks off, go into the grocery store without a mask, live your life. And I was like, it's facial time again. But I was traveling all summer. So I was just, so I I wanted to try this one. Yes. I wanted to try these two facialists. So I was like, I'll just make appointments. And then I didn't realize that they were in, that one was on a Thursday and one was on a Tuesday. So I for this week lived like a Kardashian because I imagine (laughs) they get facials. I do think there that actors get facials once a week. I've been told like there are certain, I'm sure it's many of them, but you're an A-list actor. You're getting a facial once a week. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're saying you're an A-list actor. I get it. I'm saying I am up there with the Emma Stone's. And the Viola Davises of the world. I mean, who can stop me? I am, I am Emily Blunt. I'm mm-hmm, Selma Hayek. Mm-hmm, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I have the same needs as these stars of screen. Right. It felt incredibly indulgent to get one facial and then, like five days later, be like, "Well, here I am at another facial place. Rub me again." But it was felt amazing, and um, I had never had a lymphatic drainage uh, facial before, and it felt really good and it also um i went in with a headache and when i was done the headache was gone wow yeah it was really interesting i just never had someone like work on my 
head in that way and kind of release facial tension and opening up all this, you know, space for drainage. Now, what drained? Still unclear because I don't totally know, but it felt great. It felt really great. So um, will I ever be doing this again? No. And I'll probably go another six months before I have a facial, but it felt freaking awesome. Do you think you will do this lymphatic drainage facial again? The specific one? Yeah. Well, yes. I guess, you know, where I kind of have landed in the world of like my, my, my skin. Yeah. 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 Is like, you could, like, if the temptation was there to just do all the things. And it's almost like if I keep climbing this ladder, will I get to the top? You know, like if I just climb a few more steps, will I finally get to the space I want to be in? Like if I do it, if I do, do you know what I'm saying? Or am I speaking in mm-hmm. in code here? I'm not, not quite sure. You're saying that sometimes you're tempted to like try all the things. Yes. And it's like, do I add another new thing to the list or yeah. do I just kind of like pull back here and calm down. So I would do it again. I thought it felt really good. And I'm I'm curious, I need to do more reading about lymphatic drainage. And I do try to do like, you know, facial massage and gua sha on myself and try to kind of mm-hmm. move stuff around. But this was an expert doing it and it felt amazing. So I'll give a shout out to those two facialists on our website. Uh, if you're looking for some some people in Los Angeles, they're both excellent. I totally hear what you're saying that like there is something about skincare in particular where you sometimes feel like you're just constantly chasing this elusive, I don't know, skincare utopia that probably doesn't actually exist. No, and And really, you know, like I, I, I took a look at my face this week and I was like, let's just love these forehead wrinkles today. You don't have to love them every day, but let's just radically accept them today yes i was actually just going to use the term radical radical acceptance i mean Sorry I, think, I cut you off no you didn't i mean i think there just does come a point where we say hey this is me and but and but i can still do all of these skincare things because there's something about the process that does bring me joy because i think i've separated it from the attempt to achieve some sort of skincare nirvana. It's more about the journey now, not the destination, if you will. I admire you because I will say, like, I did have a moment yesterday where I was like, you know, I don't feel like I have radical, like, I don't feel like I've landed into middle age and been like, I love every crevice of myself. And I wonder if I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way either. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, phew. No, I'm saying like that. I think that is kind of what I'm like body and skincare neutrality. Yeah, is the aspiration. Yeah. You finished your taxes, by the way? So (laughs) So, happy for you. Thank you so much. Uh, Almost three months late. The the deadline was extended this year to May. So it wasn't as late as could have been but yeah they've been kind of hanging over us like we hadn't gotten all of our stuff to our accountant and he was like he he would like periodically be like hey (laughs) (laughs) 
Remember taxes? <laughs> yeah. But he also didn't seem like super pressed about it. So right. I was kind of like, okay. Um, but yeah, they are now done. We have paid. We are finished. We 2020 is in the books. And it just, it's like a huge weight off my shoulders. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Just to like have that done. I have like historically been not super great about like getting my taxes done on time. And then there were a few years where we did get them done. We, like we got them done like early and that was like, wow. And then I think with the pandemic, everything just was like topsy turvy mm -hmm. and they kind of fell by the wayside. But then lately I've been like, uh, like, it's just, you just want to get them done. You know what I mean? I do. You so, got to do it. Anyway, I just wanted to share for everyone that was concerned. My taxes are done. Well, and also everyone out there who is still doing them. Yes, totally. I see you. you. Are not I really alone. see you. Yeah. The year my mom died, I just like forgot about tax. I just like all of a sudden in July, she died in March and in July, it was like, oh, <laughs> like, what? like I just, it did uh, not even register, Dory. It didn't even register. That was fun. That was a fun That's year. amazing. Well, you know, it's hard to remember all this shit sometimes. It's true. It's true. <sighs> so anyway, like I said, just needed to share that. I'm glad. I'm really happy. That's got to be such a good feeling. It Better than the utopia is. of skincare. That's a, a truly good feeling getting that. It is a lifted. good feeling. And it's also a good feeling like because we, my husband and I like, our taxes are a little complicated. And so we always end up owing money, mm. but it's like never totally clear how much money we're going to owe until, you know, until we've actually done our taxes. Um, and so you're kind of like in this weird limbo of like, well, how much money do we have right now? Right. We need to make <laughs> like, sure we have the money to pay the yeah. taxes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right, I've exactly. been there. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. a thing. Yep. Yep, yep. So, you know, the last couple months, especially it's been like, oh, well, we need to like keep this money for taxes, but we're sort of like, how much money do we need to keep? Is it this much money or is it like way more? Or Oh, that must feel kind so like, good that that is squared away. So that feels good that that's squared away. And like, we have a more kind of accurate and realistic um, perspective on our finances right now. Mm. So anyway, she let's talk about our, let's talk about our guests. Oh my goodness, Dory. Well, look, we interviewed Dr. Becky. If you are a parent, the name is probably familiar to you. Indeed. Because Dr. Becky has become an overnight Instagram sensation at Dr. Becky at Good Inside, where she essentially gives very sound parenting advice. And not just advice for parents raising children, but advice for people raising themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I do want to kind of make that clear that you know you may think oh a parenting expert like i don't have kids how is this applicable to me but i i really think so much of what she talks about is actually just about like being a human and human interaction and she comes at it from the lens of parenting but like kate said i really think that it does apply or can apply to most of us whether it's you know 
things that we're working on in ourselves or our other relationships. She just has a lot of wisdom. She also, yeah. you know what else I really like about her? Go on. She, she loves like, like, and she does this in the interview. She loves like, almost like role playing. Like if you ask her about, you know, what to do in a scenario, she'll come up with, she'll like start acting out the scenario. Yes. Yes. Like a performer. <laughs> yes. But it like, and you can tell she's sort of like working it out in real time, you know, like what she would say and how she would respond to someone. But what's helpful in that, I think, is that it gives you a script because I think a lot of times I know when I read parenting advice or relationship advice, you know, people will say like, do this, do that. But, but you're sort of like, okay, but like, how? I know. How you know? and what? <laughs> like, what do I actually say? Tell me what I should actually say. And I think sometimes therapists or parenting experts like think it's like cheating to tell you what to say. But like, sometimes you need that script. Yes. We want to Cyrano de Bergerac how to parent yeah, or how to communicate exactly. with ourselves. And so, uh, and, and also like once you have that script, once you know it, you start practicing it and then it becomes your script. Mm -hmm. It's not just someone telling you what to say. So I, I really appreciate that she gives you sort of actionable things to do and say, whether it's in the moment or afterwards. Yeah. And just, and just to kind of give you more concrete info about Dr. Becky, she is a clinical psychologist, a mom of three, and she specializes in helping people cope with anxiety and stress, improve relationship satisfaction and communication and manage work life pressures. And her expertise is in parenting and development. She has a podcast called Good Inside where she, you know, takes on very tough parenting questions and gives actionable advice. And you can find her on Instagram at Dr. Becky at Good Inside. And her website is goodinside.com, where she's got online workshops, weekly strategies and scripts. And she has a private practice and runs parenting groups and workshops and lectures on all sorts of mental health issues. Um, and she's just got like, she's just an amazing resource with a very human self-care practice. Yes. All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will be talking to Dr. Becky. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. 
Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. Once you once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got what? to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. 
But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss, or Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. All right. Well, we are so excited to have Dr. Becky Kennedy here. Becky, welcome to Forever 35. Thank you. I am truly so excited to be here. It's an honor. Thank you. Um, Well, as I was telling you before we got started, I know we have a lot of Forever 35 listeners who follow you on Instagram and are big fans of everything you do. So it's really a thrill to have you here. Um, And we have some questions from them that we will get to in a little bit. But we do like to kind of start our interviews by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have. So is there something that you are doing regularly that kind of brings you joy, calm, et cetera? Uh, Yeah, two things come to mind. And one of them I just restarted three days ago because it had, you know, dropped off in the chaos of life, Um, is I I try to do 20 to 30 minutes of yoga or some type of exercise before my kids get up. Uh, getting up early is easy for me. Uh, staying up past 10 is, you know, where, where things get hard. But so, uh, but structuring those early morning hours. So I'm not just working or, um, I don't know, catching up on emails, but actually saying, no, I'm putting my screen to the side and I'm, you know, moving my body and, um, in some type of grounded way. Um, that's, uh, I know really, really important for me. And then on the other end of the day, keeping my phone away from my bed 
and making uh, reading, even if it's just a few pages of a book, the last thing I do, as opposed to scrolling, uh, is really critical uh, for me as well. A woman after my own heart. I know. <laughs> when when you said you restarted one, is that the yoga that you restarted yes. three days ago? Yes. And how yeah. is it feeling in your body? And you've done it consistently for the last three days? Three days. And I've always been pretty big into some type of body movement exercise. But since my work has become such a bigger part of my life, up until 18 months ago, before I started this Instagram account, I worked two days a week in private practice. And three days a week, I did a bunch of other things. And now I work, I don't know, a lot. Like I'm working <laughs> all the time. And I feel like maybe what's happened is that kind of energy and kind of toward a certain goal, I can now channel into work. And it excites me so much. I'm just so passionate about everything. But now I have to actually be mindful about saving some of that energy or finding other energy for exercise where that used to be the thing that I really liked to do. And so it was three days ago, I said to my husband, I was like, I I think I've worked out like once in the last month, which for me is really not what my body's used to. And I said, I'm going to work out today. And that was my only goal. And then Yesterday, I said, I'm working out today and tomorrow. And today, this, I'm saying this out loud. I really want to do some type of movement every day for seven days in a row. So you caught me almost midway through. Um, and I really feel better in my body. I truly do. Um, and when I don't have some type of slow down, but also just body movement, I also don't sleep at night. Like, because I think I've just spent my entire day moving and being busy, busy, busy and producing and producing, producing and not being grounded. And so, um, I, I already truly do feel a little bit better. Oh, that's so great. But you caught me on a good day. Like, I I hope for everyone (laughs) listening, like, I really mean this four days ago, I would have been like self care. Like, okay. I would have had the reading thing, but I probably would have said then I keep telling myself I'm going to start the exercise in the morning thing. And it, it it's, it's so easy to fall out of a habit. And then that becomes the new habit. And seriously, four days ago, literally four days ago, I would have said, yeah, I have not really done the thing I know feels good in my body. So I was just in that place a couple of days ago. You, you just alluded to this, um, that you started your Instagram account 18 months ago, mm. but I'm not sure if our listeners can like truly grasp like how much your life has changed in the last 18 months. I mean, you started your account in February, 2020, like right before the pandemic. February 28th. Yes. February 28th. Okay. Um, And it didn't take long for you to essentially like go viral. Um, And since then, you know, your, your account, your brand, if you will, has just kind of exploded. Um, and what has that been like for you, both, you know, on a personal level and kind of on a professional level? It, it's been so many different things. It really has. So, so many things are pinging in my brain. I'm going to, I don't know. I just have to pick one of them, I guess, to start with. Um, it's been super exciting. I mean, it's been super exciting, truly, from a, a passion driven place. So there's nothing I like to think about as much as people and families and, you know, even that name good inside. To me, it's 
uh, it's really what helps me be curious. I truly do believe we're all good inside. And yet we all, kids and adults, do lots of things that aren't so good on the outside. But that creates this gap for me of like, oh, well, if we're good on the inside, like why, why would we be doing those things? And that's, that gap is how I can be curious. And now I get to be curious like all day long, um, with so many people around me and so many just amazing, brave adults who I think want to do what really the work is, which is like rewiring ourselves and empowering ourselves so we can give something different to our kids. So I, I feel really lucky. I feel just so excited. I want to talk about so many different things all the time. So that's part of it. Um, what else has changed? I mean, my family life has changed. I used mm. to work one day late and see kind of a bunch of clients that day, but the other day be, you know, home when my kids got home from school and the other three days of the week, you know, have a lot of flexibility. And you have um, three kids. I have three kids. Uh, four. My youngest's birthday is today. Oh my four, gosh. <laughs> uh, six and nine. And when it came to the night, I love to cook and I did kind of take over cooking for the family, but I, but I love that. And now, you know, me and my husband have really had like a shift in our relationship. He's, he just does so much more with the kids, takes on so much more. Luckily, he has some flexibility, um, in kind of his job and hours. Um, you know, early on, I was on a meeting with, uh, my business partner. And my husband, we were both working from home. He brought me a cup of coffee and he walked by. I hope he's not going to kill me saying this out loud. Um, he walked by with these like purple, you know, gloves on rubber gloves because we had gotten some like mold or something like in our, uh, uh, laundry. And he's like dropping off coffee for me and then going to like work on the, on that laundry. And he's like, what's uh, our life's like really changed you know what i mean like (laughs) you know um and and it it has and it's been a shift with my kids you know the last thing i want to do is be someone who professionally kind of talks about parenting and doesn't parent my own kids that's like very uh, it's very much on my mind so i really do carve out time to be with them and waking up super early is a blessing and honestly makes everything work for me having said that i'm definitely not around in all the same ways. And there's times when they now get home from camp and, you know, I, I have my parents around or I have a babysitter or maybe my husband, but it's not me. Um, and they have feelings about that, you know? And then the other thing I was thinking about that's really changed. And this is, you know, is I sometimes, I don't know if it's sometimes or often now when I'm out, I have people coming up to me, right? Who mm. like, Oh, Ooh. you know, they, and so, especially just professionally right, as a psychologist, um, there's such an anonymity, right? Uh, no one in my life knew any, anything related to my work or anyone because it's all confidential. Yeah. And, you know, like maybe once or twice I ran into someone I'd worked with, but it was pretty rare. I only worked two days a week. The world is pretty big. And, you know, now places I go, you know, and, and I love when people come up to me. I really do. Uh, cause I, they tell me the stories and I love finally meeting so many different people. That's also just, th- that's totally different. So my kids yeah. are like, what, what are they like? <laughs> why are we, why are we stopped when we go out to breakfast now? Or, you know, um, and so that's been a big change as well. And that's been a big change, especially with people I see still in my private practice where I kind of used to only exist for them in their therapy world. And now, even if some of them don't even follow me, 
They're like, you come up in my friends' feeds or my, I heard my friend reference you the other day. And right. So there's been all this, uh, it's just, uh, so many, so many nuances around that that have led to different changes and like a whole wide range of feelings. How do you navigate? That I mean, I mean that those are a lot of different conversations. I, that I imagine do you have, you've do you have had some to have. ideas for me. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I have oh none. Oh my god, jeez! Well, it's it's the constant, um, like that constant kind of recalibrating, like the recalibrating of your relationship with your spouse, or the changes in your work schedule, and and navigating not just what that means for you, but also your entire family. Like these are. These are large disruptions and they can be great, but also they can, they can be really stressful to kind of get through them. And I would say those are the two things they are. And they're, yeah. they're both, right? They're great and they're stressful. Um, I definitely don't have the answer to how I navigate it. I guess in any given moment, what I tr- try to do is I, I think we communicate really well in my family. I, I really will say that there's plenty of things we don't do, you know, well, like any other family, but I do think. Me and my husband, uh, both of us with our kids, um, we we communicate often. Um, so talking about a change, talking about how I'm not going to be able to put you to bed uh, tomorrow night. Actually, I'm going to be in this room. Like right now, I'm in my daughter's room, right? So um, she happens to mostly like to sleep with my older son. So this room is sometimes empty. But even to the point of, so I'm not going to be able to put you to sleep and I'm going to be in the other room working and oh, that's probably going to be a bummer, right? I wonder what that might be like. Let's even pretend it's tonight, right? And trying to get ahead of some of that then. Or, you know, my husband and I try as much proactively to be talking about this shift. I try to, you know, proactively recognize all the things he's doing that I'm no longer doing. And every once in a while, of course, like anyone else, instead of proactively recognizing it, instead, we end up arguing about something really stupid and it blows up. And we're like, oh, wait, like our whole marriage has kind of shifted and dynamic. So that's probably what this is about. It's probably not about the paper towels. Um, Let's like, you know, let's unearth some of that. So I think that's what I always come back to is kind of like naming what's true that in general, mm-hmm. adults and kids... We struggle when things are not named and when we then feel alone and confused, rarely when things are named and put out there, at least with people you kind of love and think have your best interest at heart. So that's key to it. And then there are just certain days in a row where everything feels manageable. And then there's other days in a row, unfortunately, too, where, yeah, like sometimes it feels like everything's about to explode, like inside me, you know? Um and I guess I've been doing this now, even though 18 months isn't that long, long enough that I, I have found I've started to trust more. The like, it's not always going to feel like this. And kind of both times, like everything feels amazing and so manageable. And we're working on so many things that good inside that there's other times where it's like nothing feels right. And we have to redo so many things. And 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 I really do think I've started to enjoy a little bit more of that of like we're just kind of like in it and iterating and and I kind of do trust that like we're gonna end up somewhere good. Um but but certainly in those days too, I just, you know, I don't know, I wake up at two in the morning, you know, with my heart racing <laughs> and I have trouble falling back asleep and, you know, then try to do yoga at some point and, you know, read my book and get a better night's sleep the next day. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a lot, and it's yeah. and 
and you you're producing so much content. Yes. That. <laughs> that that interestingly enough like feels like the uh it, it is the thing that comes most naturally to me. I have to withhold myself from like putting out more um because mm. I do feel I just I feel so excited and passionate about this. I have so many things I want to say. Um but figuring out what people want to hear and what really helps and what yeah. you know what actually I think there's so many things that make us feel worse about ourselves <laughs> as parents, even, you know, when um we're you know, I, I never want to um overwhelm or you know, say things in a way that, you know, uh people don't realize that I'm also struggling with this. That's why I'm talking about yeah, it so much. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> um so yeah, the content creation piece I feel like is the result of this like coming together of passion and kind of now have this opportunity to to speak about everything but the balance and uh kind of growing what we're trying to do beyond just content to you know do some other things as well that 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 that's stressful and definitely takes takes a lot out of me <laughs> yeah so let's talk about what your approach kind of actually is yeah um, i i think you posted this today uh but i thought it I thought it really spoke to, um, the, well, it spoke to a question that I had, which is, you know, you've talked about how you were kind of raised with this like behavior first time out slash punishment slash reward system based approach to parenting. But now you have what I, I think you're describing as like a person first approach to parenting. Um, so I would love for you to explain for our listeners what that is. And if you could also kind of describe your shift in thinking that led yeah. you to this approach? Yeah, like a dream question. So I, I do want to say, and and I don't I I definitely I don't think I was raised with that approach, me, me personally with my parents. I think um which uh, I think has definitely actually impacted me. Um having said that, I was definitely trained in that approach. And I think that kind of behavior first, and again I'll explain what I mean by that, is definitely it's just in the ether of the parenting world, the teaching world, behaviorism has kind of had just this massive impact, I think, in America. So what does that even mean? So I think there's just a lot of focus uh, when it comes to kids and, and adults too on behavior, on what's observable, right? So mm -hmm. a tantrum, a kid saying, I hate you, um, uh, you know, your daughter hitting her younger sister, right? These are all behaviors. These are observable actions, right? And you can kind of put your finger on them. And I guess what ends up happening as a result is instead of seeing a behavior as a window into a person, we see the behavior as the thing itself. And, and those are two very, very different approaches. My, my, you know, daughter hit her sister. I have to make her not hit her sister. Hitting is not okay. Like, yes, I hear that. Versus what's going on that would lead someone to hit their sister? And if I go back to, and this is why it's so core, that kids are good inside. Why would someone who's good and always doing the best with the resources they have available in that moment hit her sister after we just talked about not hitting her sister? Right now, I'm really curious about the person who engaged in this behavior. And from that approach, I don't think anyone thinks, 
well, I'm engaged with the person. So who cares about the behavior? It's not so, you know, either or, but the behavior on the surface gives you insight into what might be happening. And then based on our understanding of what really generated that behavior, led to that behavior, we would intervene very differently than if we're just looking to shape the behavior itself. And I was trained, not in my PhD program, but in a parenting program I did after to kind of, I said, I want to learn more about how to work with parents. And I have all some ideas, but there's so much out there. Let me get kind of some training. And it was a very behavior first approach. And how do we know something's behavior first? Well, most of all, there's just a lot of focus and talk about behavior, 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 but the interventions are really focused on getting more of good behaviors and getting less of bad behaviors. So you hear about things like timeouts, punishments, consequences. You hear about things like sticker charts and rewards with kind of the idea from a kind of from behavioral, but a conditioning even perspective mm-hmm. is what can we do to get more of the good stuff and get bad, get less of the bad stuff. And I, total, I think I said this in Instagram, total transparency. I took this, you know, multiple, you know, meeting course, like this training program. And at the end, I was like, this is amazing. I, I love this. I really, that was my, I love this. My logical brain was just lit up. I was like, this makes so much sense. Of course. And then there was actually a day where it was like something shifted in me. And I remember still in my body the way it felt like the sinking feeling. I was just like, this just feels awful. And again, that curiosity, like, how can something make so much sense in my head, but feel so wrong in my body? And I just can't mm. believe that, like, it's a great thing to parent humans in a way that feels so wrong. And then I really realized, like, wait, we're not training animals into compliance. These are, these are models that are used to not even any more humanely train animals, but just train into compliance. We're trying to shape behavior in certain animals, maybe. We're not trying to shape humans. You can't shape confidence. You can't behaviorally condition what it's like to actually feel good about yourself and then treat others with respect. You can't shape that. You can't control that. So we need to do something very different. So one of the things I really think about with behavior is not shaping, but we have to often as parents contain behavior. So my kid is hitting another kid. I have to be the one to get in there and contain my child to stop it from happening. Certainly, I'm not going to watch my child continue hitting some other child and just say, oh, you feel so mad. You feel so mad. That is extraordinarily dysregulating for a child to keep hitting someone when they know they shouldn't. But my child can't stop. So I can contain. But then my mindset, once kind of the danger has stopped, is to be, what would lead to that? So a sticker chart might say, I'll give you a sticker every time you play with that kid and keep your hands on your own body. Maybe I'm trying to shape the behavior. Maybe like a, I don't know what to call it. Maybe it's, I don't think of a name, like a good inside approach would wonder, what what skills is my child missing? What is it like to share? Why is sharing so difficult, especially right now when the friend comes over? Maybe it's, oh, you know, they did just have a baby sister. I wonder if that has something to do with it. That doesn't make hitting okay. But I'm probably then, let's say even my kid's three, one day going to play with some figurines and say something like, as the figurines voice, like, oh, I have a new baby sister. I don't know. Oh, I feel so many different things about that. And oh, now she has to take everything I have. And oh, I just don't like sharing and just maybe see what my kid does. 
I'm connecting to the experience. I'm helping my kid feel less alone in the experience. Maybe it, then we practice a coping skill. I really want that block. Ooh, I'm going to take a deep breath and move away and say something to myself like, oh, waiting is hard and I can do it. Waiting is hard and I can do it. So when we think about the person, we tend to think then, what skills do they need? What's not coming up? Now I can build skills. You don't build a skill when you're giving a sticker. You don't build a skill, certainly when you're punishing a child. And so you end up actually getting much more significant and long-lasting behavior change because you're working on what actually changes behavior, which actually isn't other behavior. It's building what wasn't there before you got in there to help your child. Okay. Is this applicable to me a 42-year-old woman and my behaviors. I should say I am a parent and I have, I am, I think about this with my own kids, but listening to you just say that about children, yep. I am now analyzing myself through this lens. So let's do it. Let's behaviors. get, so oh, yes, God. but let's make it real. I know. Um, Kate, what's your deepest, darkest secret? No, I'm just joking. Um, well, <laughs> get ready. No, no. Um, but, but like what, let, well, let's, let's, let's do this live. Like what's like, how do we take this and apply it to just our adult yeah, self? Cause absolutely not, not to, you know, it's funny. You just mentioned the sticker chart and I've never made this correlation, but as a writer, so many writers use sticker charts to mark off every day that they've written and get this sort of like satisfaction from putting the sticker on to show that they did the task. And that is interesting to me because I've seen a lot of people use that as a tool because the actual act of sitting down and doing the work is so hard and we procrastinate. Yep. And I, 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 that's just kind Great. of where it resonated with me. Like why this, why am, why is it hard rather than like being motivated by getting a sticker for doing the thing? That's all. And, and, and I should say I'm, I'm not really a purist about, you know, many things in my life. So for anyone in listening, it's like, I do sticker charts. Am I a bad parent? I, I, you know, I, I personally don't love sticker charts. Having said that, I can totally see why someone could use them to augment something or kind of get the extra mile. Like they don't, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but on their own, they're not, you know, I think a whole a kind of, uh, entire solution. So if we take that to even writing, you know, we all like little tokens, right? So like, I get yeah. that, but I think your question of, what goes on for me when I sit down in front of my computer? Or maybe it's earlier. What goes on for me when I think about sitting in front of my computer? And I'm actually going to, let's say, do this experiment. I'm going to sit in front of my computer pretending, like tricking myself into the idea of like, I got to write today. But 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 it's just a, I just want to collect some data. Like, what it, is my heart racing? Uh, is there a thought that comes up? Do I want to look at my phone? Do I have an urge? Like, I'm just going to write down everything I notice. If I want to really go for it, I'd say, um, what, what, what fears do I have right now? What, um, is there, is there a self belief that's coming up for me right now? Um, right. And, and as we get curious, we, we just start to learn more about ourselves. And that's the first step where let's say it's like, I, oh, it's so interesting. I never noticed that I have a racing heart. Uh, we can't solve away our feelings. It's not, you know, feelings just, they, they live in our body. We can't get rid of them. Um, but what I might do, speaking to that more person first approach, even as an adult, is what would it be like if I walked to my computer saying, my heart's probably going to start racing. That's just something my body does when it lets me know I'm a little nervous about writing. That kind of makes sense. I mean, 
makes sense. My body would register a feeling when I'm starting to do something I'm invested in. Um, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to put my hand on my heart before I do anything and just kind of say to myself, it's okay to have a racing heart. Like, doesn't mean anything. It's not predictive of anything. Maybe I'll take some deep breaths and I'm just going to see what happens next. I don't know. Just making that up. Right. Now, I think that can pair really well with like giving yourself a sticker at the end of the day, right? You can kind of have a little bit of both. Um, but again, I'm focusing on like there's, there's a reason something's happening for me. And when we, when we give ourselves, definitely when we give our kids too, but when we give ourselves kind of that respect and kind of compassion are the feelings that end up driving, let's say our procrastination. They start to feel seen by us. And, and just like with kids, mm-hmm. when kids feel seen, in wishing I could have uh, sprinkles on top of my ice cream and not just ice cream. Oh, you really wish you could have sprinkles. That makes sense. Sprinkles are yummy. They're less likely to tantrum because when their feelings feel seen, their feelings don't have to come out in the same way. They don't have to dictate what happens. When our feelings feel seen by us and not judged, they also don't have to act out in our behavior. It's it's, it's the same principle. I love that. And I think that helps when, you know, we, we have a lot of listeners who are not parents. And so I think thinking about the advice you offer in the terms of how we parent ourselves or even and also treat others and our conversations with others is really applicable. Yeah. You know, so talking about being, you know, noticed or, you know, having someone come up to me, which again, I I truly do love. I love making this more personal than it is on Instagram for me. So I, I love those moments. The other day, I was actually stopped by maybe the person who was most excited to see me ever. And she she couldn't have been more than 22. And she was with her group of 22-year-old friends. And she she, she, she was like, oh, my God. She's like, Dr. Beck, oh, she's like, you're the person I'm most excited to see more than anyone in my life. And her friends were like, who is this person? And she goes, oh, she's a child psychologist. And her friends were like notably confused because she was not a mom. And she's like, why? And she looked at her group of friends. And she goes, you guys are missing out. These are the years we can be reparenting ourselves. All of our stuff is going to come up later in their lives. If you're not working out now, you're going to have to work out double later. And she was like, it was, she was like giving them a rally call, you know? So, and I was like, you go. That is, that is so right. You know, I mean, the right time to change, I think is always right now. So no matter how old we are, it's the right time, but it is all That's the same amazing. stuff, right? The, the parenting stuff starts with the reparenting stuff because we can't give out what you're not giving in. And so no matter how old we are, kids, no kids, it's it's the time to look inside and kind of see what we need. And that helps us give other people or kind of show up to people, I think, in a way that ends up feeling better to us and to them. I love that anecdote so much. It, It was amazing. Um, well, let's get to some of our listener questions. Um, and we I got want so to, many. We got so many. So we're we're not going to get to all of them. Um, but I would like to start with a question that's just kind of a little more meta about gentle parenting, respectful mm. parenting, person first parenting. Um, so this person writes, I would like to hear more about how the gentle parenting movement can be a very white female centered space and that there doesn't feel like there is space for my experience as an immigrant mother of color. I would also love to hear her address how exhausting and how all-encompassing this method can seem. You can't say good job or your kid will rely on you for their self-worth and end up with an anxiety disorder, etc. I feel like many parents are clinging to this approach of parenting 
with the belief that somehow this will protect our kids from ever experiencing any of the difficulties we did growing up. It's such a um, there's a lot multifaceted there. <laughs> question, and in yes. each facet is so important. So, um, if I miss one, just remind me. Um, so, I just want to start by saying I I hear the the whiteness or the femaleness both. Um, and when, when this, uh, person who asked the question says gentle parenting, right? Again, I don't even know the, the name for all the different movements. And, you know, that's not even a term. I don't even know if I would identify with, but I think, yeah, we're talking about away from the more behavioral approaches. Um, I've connected. I think there, I mean, I think there are a variety of different people talking about there's a wide range of people talking about these issues. Um, I know, yes, I'm a white woman. I think about the other people I even connect with other kind of colleagues who are not all white women. Um, but certainly there are, there are a lot of us, especially ones with like larger accounts. And what I can say, you know, why is that? Um, I don't know. You know, I think there's a lot of sociological reasons. What I can just say from, my perspective and from my experience is I am very mindful about regularly connecting um, with people I'm learning from and people who have perspectives that are very different from me um, across the board. That's not just a way of saying non-white, non-female identifying, just in general. Um, and conversations that I think have been some of the most important conversations I've had since I started this kind of community are ones where even are considering like is is there is there white privilege around this point of view like can i go out with my daughter and she can have a tantrum in public and i i just i'm seen differently i don't have the same worries and uh, someone else goes out with their black child and the looks they get is uh, different the concerns they have are different a hundred percent that is definitely definitely real um I, don't, I definitely don't have a quick solution for that. What I can say is, yes, like that is there and this is so important. And I know other professionals kind of um, have also raised like how in an, in an, if you're not white, how do you take on some of these beliefs if you believe in them and trust that the world will support you <laughs> in them? Right. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are very different elements. And I guess I'll say it's just a renewed reminder to me of how important it is for me, given our community is pretty large, to speak to to those concerns and to those kind of differences in experiences. So thank you for, for even starting with that question. Um, in terms of the anxiety around this approach a, a couple things um for me it's definitely not my intention to ever raise our kids in a way that helps them avoid distress i actually think a lot about raising our kids in a way that helps prepare them for the inevitable distresses of life like the they get fired from a job or right that we don't have to protect our kids from that right i think that what I try to talk about a lot and what I think of as this brand of parenting is that 
in some ways, like our kids get the most in our honesty and connection around our not so great parenting moments. Like when I think about bang for your buck parenting strategies, like where can you really get some concentrated good impact? I don't know what ranks above repair. And if you Mm. are repairing, that means you've done something you're not so proud of. So do I think we have to repair all of our good job moments? No. If like good job is the thing you say that keeps you up at night, like please, you know, feel free to have a good night's sleep. Like that's not going to be the thing, you know, that messes up your child. Um, Repair offers the ability to go to our kids and say, hey, I called you some nasty name. Hey, I screamed in your face. That probably felt really scary. Those were my feelings. If you're able to right now or later, I actually think it's important to hear more from you about what that was like for you. Mm. Um, I can take that. Um, I love you so much. Uh, you know, just as we talk about you managing your big feelings, I'm working on that in my end as well. Right. And those moments are so impactful in parenting and you don't get them if you are quote parenting by the book or, you know, whatever that book doesn't exist anyway, but they don't. So I can't speak for anyone else, but what I'll say is I really hope people know that number one, I do not do all the things that my kids that I write on Instagram. That is Dr. Becky's account. My kids don't have Dr. Becky as a parent. Uh, they have Becky and I really do. I've said this. I really do go back and reference some of Dr. Becky's posts in my personal life because I'm like, that chick knows what she's saying. I'm going to try that out, you know, because <laughs> um, I get activated and I get triggered and I'm emotional and I'm stressed out and I have no tolerance. And I say, can you make things easy one time? You know, I say all that stuff to my kids all the time, too. Um, And that I hope maybe we can redefine the goal as trying to empower ourselves and learn about ourselves on this journey of parenting while parenting our kids in a way that feels pretty good. And when we struggle to repair with ourselves, forgive ourselves, and then go talk about it with our kids. And that's a model of connecting around our imperfection and our struggles. And I think that's what our kids you know, need more than saying the right words every time. Okay, well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like, I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially 
a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, we're back. Here's a question that we got that it's interesting. I was just having this conversation with some parents last night, so it's really interesting that this uh, that a listener also asked this, but they wrote, "How does an introvert parent me deal with an extrovert child, my 8-year-old son? He's so chatty, inquisitive, and outgoing, and I need total opposite." And I also think there's the reverse in which an extroverted parent has a very yeah. introverted son and they don't quite get how to connect with them. Yeah. So my first reaction to that is, um, I think it's important that we all give ourselves like leeway outside of any label. And I'm not trying to say to this parent, you're not an introvert, but I just think we all have like many parts of ourselves. I'm sure there's parts of this parent who does like to be social and engage with people. And there's parts of, you know, her child that, you know, also needs some kind of, you know, quiet time to replenish. So I think, we can get locked into a rigidity, which also just like can make us get into power struggles with our kids when we think I'm like this and you're like that. So that that's number one. Um, the second thing what I would say is it's really important to talk to our kids about things like this outside of the moments when we're most heated. So talking to your kids about how you need some downtime and can't have your kid talk to you, it's not a great time to do that when your kid's trying to get your attention because he desperately wants to talk to you, right? So what I would say is, Talk to your child about this. Say, you know, here's something interesting. Everyone's different. Everyone is different. And one of the best things as you get older is you're going to get to know yourself. And one of the things I've gotten to know about myself is I need some really quiet time. That to feel like I have energy, to feel just good in my body, there's moments I need quiet and not to talk to anyone else. And I love the people in my family at that time and I care about them. Um, and I need to not talk to them for me. That's nobody's fault. That's just me knowing me. Here's something I kind of also know about you. You sometimes love to talk with me and you love to engage and you love to play, play, play. 
That's so cool about you. Here's the tricky thing. It's like, oh, what if one of those times when I need that quiet is one of those times you need the talking, talking, talking. That oh, Well, we know there's no great answer there, but let's just note that might happen. And let's even play it out because I might end up saying to you one time, oh, sweetie, this is one of those times I need to take five deep breaths. Or by the way, you should know today when you get home from school, I might be home, but you know, person X will be helping you get a snack. And that happens to be some time I'm going to be in my room um, doing one of those calm down moments. And as soon as I'm done with that, I'll come out. You know what I'll do? I'll actually leave you a little note um, just so you know I'm thinking about you or right, something. Um, And then you can maybe write down some thoughts about what you want to tell me. I can get what I need. And then we'll come together and talk. Right. But all of these ideas won't come to us when we're like, can you just leave me alone? Mom, just give me you know, your attention. Um, but we're kind of setting ourselves up to manage that moment differently by talking about it openly and kind of without any judgment. Could we, could we ask, uh, this question about returning, um, to school with COVID? Yeah, I'm just, can I, oh, yes. Okay. So, uh, we received a question that I think is going to resonate with a lot of parents, which is that uh, my kids are returning to school this week and they are very excited to be back in person and see friends. And I'm excited for them. I am also very nervous about COVID. We've been home together for almost two years now where I can keep them safe in our controlled environment. How do I do what I can to keep them safe, but also not let my anxiety about the situation negatively impact them? Oof. So I feel like to answer this question, I'm going to make the assumption that this parent feels like I'm anxious, but I feel like it's safe, like safe enough. Like I'm making the decision that it's okay for my kids to be back to school because I think that's important that we have to, if we don't feel like something's safe for our kids, then like our kids are going to, you know, feel that from us. That's very dysregulating, right? My parent is sending me in somewhere. So, um, if this parent kind of is saying, okay, I've made the decision to send them. I think it's the right decision. And at the same time, I know I'm very anxious about it, right? So what I think is so amazing about this question is this parent's willingness kind of name what she's aware of, that she's not trying to pretend she's not feeling a certain way. And she's saying, okay, I feel this way. And I I don't want my kids to kind of take on that feeling that's mine, right? So I think all of us have these situations and we truly have to dedicate time and effort to saying like, what am I actually doing to take care of and get to know my anxiety, right? Because Mm. we're all anxious about something about our kids, right? So here it's about COVID. So what would I do? I mean, I don't know. I think about what do I do about my anxiety with things like therapy to me is a space that we know is a great dedicated space to talk about and cope with anxiety, right? So journaling, meditation, movement. There's all these concrete things that we can do. What I think as kind of something a little bit more immediately maybe actionable is we don't get rid of anxiety, right? The more we try to get rid or solve our anxiety, the worse it gets, actually. Um, What we want to do is actually kind of change our relationship with our anxiety. So I'd say to this person, how can we work on your relationship with your anxiety? And there's no exact formula, but here's some of the things I would guess I would encourage her to think about. When do I start to feel anxious? Is it at night? 
Is it in the morning? Can I start to know what my triggers are? Is it when I've read some latest news story? Is it when I went down a Twitter mm. rabbit hole? And okay, so it is. It's when I kind of am on Twitter and I just keep going and going and going. Okay, if I don't want that to bleed over into my kids' experience of going back to school, or I want to minimize that, a couple things. Do I do I find Twitter to be useful to me? Is it something I like really have to do? Are there some accounts I should unfollow, especially as my kids transition? Do I want to say to myself, oh, you're allowed to read Twitter between the hours of 9.30 a.m. when my kids are far away and you know, 1 p.m. because then by 1 p.m. I'm on a no Twitter break, right? And But even that as an intervention, which is just an example, comes from being kind of compassionate with myself and being curious about what's going on. I also think for this parent, I would say, I'm going to help my kids transition to school while I am feeling anxious, right? I think we have this false hope, like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure that out, right? Uh, we're not, right? And I would say one way that one thing we could all do is just a simple starting point is start greeting our anxiety. And I really mean this with like a high anxiety, or I know for me, sometimes I call that part of me, like Marsha. I don't know why. I just like think it's, it kind of makes me laugh. And then it changes like, oh, Marsha, that's you again. Your job is to kind of remind me of all the downsides. Your job is to kind of get my alert system activated. And you actually have played a really important role in my life because you're always trying to make sure everyone's safe and everything's okay. I have decided that it's okay for my kids to go back to school. So I made that decision. You're going to kind of keep doing your spiraling thought thing over here. I see you. And I'm not liking letting you kind of take take the reins. And that way of engaging with our thoughts or kind of I would think of it as our parts um, really does help keep certain parts a little at bay, just like we do with our kids. It's why we validate what's going on for them. It's why we see, oh, you wish this, you wish that. We do that because when someone feels seen like a kid, they tend to simmer a little bit. When our feelings feel seen, they also tend to simmer a little bit. Yeah. I like this. This The idea of feelings being seen is such a helpful reframe, especially thinking about our own. It's so great. Yes. Kate, did you have one last question you wanted to ask? I did. How do you walk from, this is from a listener, not me. Oh. How how to walk the fine line of exposing your kids to different things and also not over-scheduling them? Ooh. I think this really differs kid to kid. And what I would say to a parent is to kind of, again, like try to be an observer and collect some data from your kid first about mm. their interests and and their kind of desire to do a lot of things versus their desire to stay home. My daughter and my oldest like could not be more different in this way. So it's been really interesting. If you ask my daughter what she likes to do, and she learns that she has putts, and people are like, what do you mean? She's like, I'd like to come home after school and like sit on my couch. And like, that's what was like my favorite thing to do. And she does. Like, I'm like, oh, you soccer, this. She's like, nope, nope, right? I think one of the fundamental errors we all make as a parent is we see what's going on for our kid today and we fast forward to what that means about who they're going to be in the future. And then oh, we no. respond. This is me. Oh my God. Okay. Yep. Keep right. going. Sorry. This is me. <laughs> um, <laughs> now pressure's on. Pressure's on. Um, I say something really good, Becky. Um, uh, no, we, we respond based on our fear of the future, not based on what's happening in front of us. 
And so I think the first step to changing that, just noticing that, like I call it fast forward, like I'm fast forwarding, right? We do this all the time. Oh, my kid's going to be the kid who's biting everyone when he goes to kindergarten, right? You have an 18 month old, right? And so then we're like, you can't do that because we're responding to five year old child who's three and a half years away, right? Um, Versus why would, what's going on for my child, right? So I think watching what's going on for our kids. So for my daughter, and she's now almost seven, right? I mean, this is after having a son who, like, I don't know, he would do after-school activities all the time, and he thrived in it. He loves sports. He loves hip-hop. He loves everything he does, and he just loves being active. I feel like I have to schedule in non-scheduled time for him, which I really do. So having that as my first kid, I then have my daughter... Where I get it, it almost seems like something something wrong with her. Like what, right? Is she going to be the kid who? That's how we know we're in the fast forward. Is she going to be the kid who, I don't know, just comes home and brooding after school. And there's a trust, I think, to collecting dating about collecting data about your kid and trying to trust. Like maybe if I really see what's ahead of me and give my child what she needs today, maybe that's going to be the thing that helps my kid grow into. Whoever my kid is supposed to grow into as she gets older. It's kind of like a bold idea. Instead of like trying to shape who we think our kids need to be, what if I'm looking at what's in front of me and seeing what my kid needs today and, and going with that? So what does that mean for my daughter? Does that just mean forever sitting on the couch? But like, it, it could be if that's, I, who am I to say what's good for my daughter, right? I mean, she, she knows her, she's the only one in her body, right? Like she knows. But there, there can be a little push, right? Oh, I see some of your friends are doing this class. I wonder if we could go to that first one. And there's me no, just let's just go to the first one and see. And if after the first one you say, mom, I really would rather putz, cool, right? Like as an example, versus you have to sign up for one class or you have to do this, right? So I think we can think about how can I expose, collect data? Oh, I noticed my child didn't, did really like that class. And then after, let's say even my daughter's like, I'm not doing it. Oh, sweetie, I'm just noticing. I think you really did like that class. I'm wondering if you don't do it. You might have one of those days you're like, oh, I wish I had signed up for that. But but also, even if that ends up happening, I guess you can know that for the next time. And then maybe you'd end up deciding to do it the next semester. Like, I'm still not forcing. I'm not. I don't think we ever want to send our kids the message for so many reasons. I know what's good for you better than you know what's good for you. I think if there's a circuit we don't want to feel familiar as our kids enter teen years and college, it's the circuit of people outside me know what's best for me uh, more than I do. I mean, that's just complete lack of confidence, gets people in trouble in all types of ways, right? Dating, <laughs> jobs, everything. So I think that tension, what to do about it is, first of all, try to really center on your kid, right? Not on what you were like, not on what your other kid was like, but center that on your kid. Notice where they really do kind of seem to get enjoyment. Um, and think about it's not that I need to push my kid or let my kid be. Can I, can I scaffold some of this? Can I expose, but still leave some things up to my child? And if you're thinking I fall on the other end, my kids are scheduled up the wazoo, then without a doubt there, I think, yes, preserving quiet time that's unstructured for our kids is really, really important. It's how they feel like they get to know themselves. It's how they, they're not just set up for distraction after distraction. Um, and it's where kids create. It's like, you know, we need to let kids be bored and be by themselves. That's that's usually what drives kids, you know, ideas and finding their interests. I Thank love you. that that's answer. Great <laughs> advice. I really appreciate it, especially as you heard me panic because you were describing exactly me. 
It's very. Helpful. I think we we all can do that, and just kind of again in that noticing way. Oh, I'm 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 fast forwarded. Like, what year am I in? Like, I just feel like if you add some playfulness, like, am I in 2030? Am I? Oh, wow, I've never been to 2039 with my kid before. That is wow. Okay, I'm gonna like let me just rewind five years, right? Um, it like you can play around with just again kind of bringing bringing ourselves all kind of goes back to that yoga, right? Like that's what I'm still working yeah. on too. Like being where my feet are. Um, well, Becky, this has been such a joy and very illuminating. Um, and before we go, could you just let our listeners know some of the other things that you have going on and like where they can find you and your work? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. So anyone listening to this is a podcast listener. So I'm so excited that I have a podcast as well called Good Inside. Uh, I think it's called Good Inside with Dr. Becky, but Good Inside. And goodinside.com is the hub for everything I do. So my Instagram account is Dr. Becky at Good Inside, but you can find that at goodinside.com. And I have a whole range of workshops um, that are all, you know, take them, you know, on your own time, watch them over and over. And, you know, Two of the workshops that uh, kind of are the most popular are the reparenting workshop, which has nothing to do with kids. It's all about kind of understanding why am I the way I am? Why why am I so triggered by certain things? And how can I rewire things, whether I have kids or not, just to show up the way I want to show up? Um, and then also couples communication, which, you know, obviously when we have kids, our couples dynamics get, you know, uh, heightened. Um, but before we have kids, what a important thing. Or if you never want to have kids too, just so important to learn how to communicate with someone who is wired differently from you, right? We're attracted to our partners, uh, because of the very same things that end up driving us crazy about them. So learning how to navigate that and communicate well, um, I think is foundational. Well, thank you again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, Dr. Becky was one of those interviews where I was like, I literally could talk to her for like five hours. <laughs> because also, we got so many great questions from people in the Forever 35 Parents Facebook group. And we got to like five of them, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I actually am very interested in this idea of reparenting one's inner child. Mm -hmm. I've never given my inner child any thought any attention yeah. really and yeah I, recently i've been like oh hello you <laughs> like <laughs> you know like oh we've got to talk oh gosh so just a thought that i was like oh you know like in addition to being a parent of other humans i really this idea of just caring for ourselves in that way is really intriguing to me so i was really hmm. yeah i might start reparenting myself yeah, I have found, you know, as I've read a lot in and, you know, I follow Dr. Becky. And, and, and you know, also, I should mention that I profiled Dr. Becky for Time Magazine. Yeah, you did. So, which is how we kind of got to know her, or I got to know her initially. Um, and we will link to my profile of her in the show notes, uh, because it goes into some of the stuff that we talk about in the episode, but also like a, a lot more about her background and her philosophy, et cetera. So if you're interested in that, do check that out. 
I think one thing that was an interesting thing that was raised is like, where do you draw the line and how much work one must put in as a parent in terms of like, you know, there is a lot of kind of like extra labor that comes with this kind of concept of, I don't know what the term is, gentle parenting, respectful, whatever Dr. Becky calls it. And like, in to have that time and that ability is inherently like it comes with a privilege, right? So like, it's a very, it's much more complex than just like, how are we raising our kids? And I think that's a really interesting thing to kind of dissect and dig into. Right. Totally. I agree. On that note, Dory, let's intensify this episode. Okay, let's do it. Did you do yoga? No, I did not. Good. I love an intention that goes unfulfilled because it shows that we are not bound by these promises to ourselves. All yeah. we can do is move forward. What is your intention for this week? Um, This week, I want to just like try not to do everything last minute. Oh, God. What did you do last minute this week? Like, is there a, an example or is it just, feel I just like everything? I just feel like generally, I mean, I just talked about how we did our taxes three months late. So <laughs> it's true. That's true. Okay. That's fair. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's a pretty big example. That is. Um, so anyway. Yeah, my kids I start just, school in two days and I'm like, we don't have lunch boxes. Oop. Oh. Okay. All right. Like last minute. So yeah, what last minute. how what will you like I mean, I'll I'll wait and hear what you don't do last minute next week. Okay. I mean I'm hopeful that my um my planner my my moleskin pro planner will be helpful in this regard. Have you filled out any of the longer like month, four month sheets? No, not yet. I plan to, but I haven't yet. Put it in your planner. I will. I definitely will. Um, Kate, what about you? Okay. So last week I committed to using this Mophie mega Apple product charger, which I have set up in my kitchen and I've done it every night. I've put my phone to bed every night and it is great. It's great. Like wow. I, just might, I might be able to keep doing this for a while. The only thing is that now I'm reading a lot in bed and I'm getting so into what I'm reading. I'm like staying up till 1am to find out if like the Lord and, uh, you know, the proprietors of the boarding house end up together because I'm reading some historical romance. And so I was literally up till 1am trying to get to the bottom of that. So we'll see. Maybe the Kindle also needs to go. Mm, interesting. I have kept the Kindle in bed. Um, also partly because like if my husband, sometimes my husband usually stays up later than me, but sometimes he doesn't. And so it's nice. Although I do have a reading light. So like I can, I can read paper books what, after he goes to bed. But um, yeah, I, I personally, and you know, I'm a big no phone in the bedroom evangelist. I know. Um, but I have found that the Kindle is okay. All right. Well, I'm going to keep trying. But it might just be like. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, that's true. You know. Uh, and this week for me, it is back to grocery lists and meal planning for school because <laughs> yep, we haven't, I haven't sent a kid to school with lunch since 
early 2020. So I don't remember what that is like. And it's going to be a muscle memory that I need to start working. And then also just, you know, planning some very simple dinners and just making sure that it's easy and not too much work and that everyone will eat something. So that's my And they intention. are back. And to be clear, they are back in school full time. They are back in school full time masked. Yes. And, and we were remote for a year and then high, very minimal hybrid for about six weeks. So this is a big deal. My kids haven't really been at school in, you know, a year and a half. So I'm expecting a transition. And I'm, mm, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to remember that everybody is going to have a lot of like feelings and adjustments and fears and nerves and excitement. And so it's, it's, it's a big, it's big. And of course, I'm freaking nervous, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but onward we go. Mm. Well, Godspeed. Thank you, Dor. I'll be I'll sure be to report of you. I'll just, yes, you know what, do. when in doubt, I'll just be getting facials every day in a panic. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it'll, that'll be great. Speaking of money and taxes, that'll be a great plan. Oh, gosh. Well, Dory, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by you, my friend, Dory Shafrir, and me, Kate Spencer. And it's produced and edited by my other friend, Sammy Junio, and our friend Sam Reed is our project manager. And you know what? Can a network partner be a friend? Because if so, it is ACAST, our friend and network partner. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye.